to the Phobos Militia Hobbycast. projects um and what i've been doing with the horror universe comics is that they're all loosely interactive so that it, it's more ripe for crossover um yeah. whispers from the void in that comic book uh one of the rules i have is all monsters are reflections of the seven deadly sins nice. that was also my uh first major successful kickstarter campaign that really went well i you know pulled in a decent amount from that but um, what I've done is, it's an all-female monster cast for now. You've got a mad scientist, Pride, who's interacted with a flesh construct, Wrath, a vampire, Gluttony, and a ghost, Envy. Now, the mad scientist's hypothesis is that all monsters are aberrant. That is a fact. Uh, that's the theory behind it. But the hypothesis is, is well... Perhaps monsters can do good under the right tutelage. A gun can take life or save it depending on who wields it. Perhaps if I wield these monsters properly, a new age where the dark straddles the light can happen and I'll be the mother of a new age. But then again, this is pride talking, the worst of all the sins. Another thing I've done is that different sins are mortal enemies of each other. Envy and greed hate each other, for example. They cannot get along. I have a diagram, and eventually I'll put it up. You know, you know, being tired, and I got to get up super early because uh, tomorrow, Philo Barnhart and I are going to be at a school in Connorsville, Indiana, basically presenting stuff, saying "blah blah blah." Look how cool we are! Look at this! Oh, kids, bow before us! And the kids will be like, "Oh, you're so cool! We'll bow before you guys!" Wow, little mermaid! Wow, you're great! Wow. Okay, so that's whispers from the void. <laughs> Um, and Philo Barnard's drawing the second uh, book. Um, the what? Oh, yeah. The, the first book was drawn by Ron Moran, who's like this really great noir artist. He's like, whoa, spooky stuff. But um, uh, another title, which is one of my favorites, and, and it's not because I wrote it. It's just yes, good it tongue... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Don't let him lie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good tongue-in-cheek 60s-style... Pseudo horror science. It's more science, superhero, Fantastic Four feeling than it is of real horror. It's called Zombie Annihilation, where two mad scientists are battling each other to prove who's more right, where one is working to destroy the world and the other is trying to save the world, but is failing. Is a Zombie Annihilation the one where the picture of a zombie like chick like eating a soldier? Yeah. Yes. Yes. See, oh God! What was amazing of that that image? Was that was banned by some magazines because they didn't like the idea of a of a man being afraid of a woman. What? That's crazy. Yeah, like like See, that's like. BS. It's uh, not a woman. It's a zombie. Right, right. Uh, any of you have military service? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> if if you saw something like that pop up over your shoulder, you might react with fear. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Leaving a yellow and brown trail behind yeah. you, yes. But um, with that one, I, I've done like little mini Kickstarter campaigns, and they're short stories. They're like 12 pages, you know, just, just really quick, fast, um, yeah. you know, just fun stuff, you know, survival horror. But the two rules that I have here is that the military is always painted in a good, positive light, where you got... What's heroes, and heroes are people in public service, scientists, military, you know, people with high skills, then survivors who may have high skills, but they're not used to doing, you know, saving the world as a living. Military, saving the world as a living. Police, saving the world as a living. You know, uh, paramedics, saving the world as a living. You know, one person at a time. Fire department, saving the world as a living. You know, so um, it, it, it's just kind of fun tongue-in-cheek stuff like uh 
one of my favorite scenes in, in issue two is we discover that, first off, the zombies are not infection. It's possession from another dimension. Okay, That's yeah. the best part. There's yes. Reason yes. They got zombified. Either you know, there's no more room in hell, or there's right. asteroid. No, no, no. It's it's. Yeah, so, nope. Or just a simple virus that gets out of control. No, it's yeah. not a virus at all. In fact, uh, part of the theorem is these creatures are multidimensional. For example, let's pretend the table is a um, two-dimensional surface. I mean, it's truly a two-dimensional world. Put all your fingertips on it right now. To the perspective of a two-dimensional creature, you are literally at in five places at once. You are one complete whole, you know, um, concise entity, but you're literally in five places at once. If you put your second hand down there, you're now at ten places at once. So as the zombie entity spreads from different body to body, it becomes more cohesive. The intelligence raises, um, and it's going to get very interesting. Um, you know, Zarvin also discovered that the accident that caused the zombification was 3,000 years ago to 3,000 years from now. So basically, these entities are why you have witches, vampires, and other monstrosities that, that have happened because of different castes and different, different things, you know, so on and so forth. So zombie annihilation loosely associates with Whispers from the Void, but it is a parallel universe, uh, you know, where... Um, in Whispers of the Void proper, it hasn't happened. In the Zombie Annihilation universe, Whispers from the Void is a um, side thought. Also, another book I'm doing, uh, Danny and Dana in Dino World, is uh, a story about a um, modern-day female refueling pilot, and she's Italian, uh, Chicago Italian, and an African-American from the year 1902, and they get together and meet in over 65 million years ago, and they work to prevent the world from destruction. The rule I have for that world is God did create the planet and the earth. However, there's a residue left behind. That residue is magic. Magic does decay. We know it as radiation. So for people like us, in modern day, magic is very weak or doesn't work at all. So, uh, back then, the dinosaurs are as smart as we are, which is very dangerous, and you have the Atlanteans who are stripping worlds of magic before it coalesces. For example, Mars was more lush than the Earth before they got their hands on it, and after all the magic was stripped, the world died. That's why it's a barren mess that we see today. So, can Danny and Dana save Dino World so that we can enjoy our world today. But there will be some loose associations with um, zombie annihilation in that world. So, uh, yeah. And plus, I'm writing an issue of uh, zombie annihilation yes. that will tie into Bachelor's Grove. Yes. Oh, well, it all ties in. Right, right. So, so you know, kind of like um, how Stan Lee started to build, you know, the Marvel Universe with Jack Kirby. Um, this, you know, Brian Morris and I are building kind of like a horror universe where you know kind the monster like how American horror story loosely ties all their stories together. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, which which makes it kind of fun. Um another oh, it makes it really fun. Oh my god. Like simple, loose, subtle ties that yes. you know, bring one world to the other that only really hit one spot, but then you want to go back and see what other ties you might miss. What I keep imagining is that the reason why you see the same actors in each show is that it's them reincarnated to continue to ha have hellish lives. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's my theory. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see at the end if they even explain it, but I, I hope that they... Don't. No, I'd rather I, we I all guess. Okay. I make your own, like, thing out of it. I love the haunted house. I thought that was excellent. The scene that actually brought me to tears, that teared me up, was when the girl discovered she was dead. That that got to me. The uh, second one with the um, convent that was kind of goofy, but I I enjoyed the twists in that. The third one with Coven was really well done. I thought the fourth yeah. one is so intense. I haven't gotten past the second episode. My daughter and I have been watching it, and we watch it on our own. And you know, my daughter's like really into horror and stuff. Uh, in fact, I used her as part of the model for the latest cover. 
and she looks creepy. You're talking about the circus season, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw this guy who's all freaked out in blood, and he kind of looks and smells like that clown. Oh, yeah. The clown is awesome. Yeah, the retardo, the clown. (laughs) I felt so sorry for that guy. So creepy. Amazing. And then you got that weird rich kid. Oh, yeah, the, the rich kid who basically was paying to murder and destroy people. Yeah, he's such, um, a, he's such a muckwad, you know? And then the fifth season was when they went to the hotel. Yeah. And all the supernatural craziness. Now, a, a buddy of mine, um, John Borowski, actually did a, um, a uh, documentary-style film, H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. And uh, who know, is going to be in one of the Bachelor's Grove stories? Yes, H.H. H. Holmes is going to be in a Bachelor's Grove story, and also um, uh, some other uh, notable uh, serial killers uh, will be in there too. Okay, I'm sending you three images. The first one is a cover for Bachelor's Grove. The second one is Ron Fitzgerald, and the third one is the model for the sociopath. And tell me what you think. Oh, the Bachelor's Grove—that's awesome. It's like a evil-looking, um, almost like a man-bat type of creature. Okay, yeah. That's the, that's the cover for that, which is awesome. Haunted Tales. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then there's the um, the evil hand that has the witchcraft on it on the, the guy that you sent. Yeah, yeah, that that guy there, that that's Ron Fitzgerald. So. Ron Fitzgerald, so he has the whole magical aspect. There's a bunch of demons behind it. Yeah. And the artwork is like, it looks like new school Marvel style, like just excellently done. And then the background has the classic Doc Zarvin, like old school animation too. Yeah. Then you got your, your creepy daughter at the, <laughs> like the Jason's mother sweater on. Awesome. And the you, night. <laughs> I know. Doesn't that just creep you out looking at that? Oh yeah. And then the light that's just on in the background. Right. And, and the artist who's going to do that cover is, um, uh, his name is, uh, oh, come on, Charles. Uh, my brain's going dumb. Come on, Charles. Yeah, I know, I'm an idiot. Come on, Charles. Yeah, c- come Let's on, all chide Charles. him and make him Charles. feel pressure. Come on, Charles. 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 Why are you so dumb, Charles? You know, you're so stupid, Charles. Well, while he's, ber- <laughs> while he's berating himself... <laughs> Uh, I've now, got a quote now, here now, from. Charles, you have to do. You have to do the rest of the episode with the uh, in the Dallas voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh, Golita, that's so fun. Yeah, yeah. Basically, look at you, you guys. Like, like the best thing to do is like have your teeth fall out like chiclets, squish out the juicy centers, and then chew up the rest. You know, you remind me of my friends in the South. It takes about eight together to smile to make one smile. Sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I know. That's some crazy stuff. Yeah, Golita, she is so creepy. You know, she's like, yeah. she's just nasty. So, so where, where were we going before I... Sorry, I interrupted. I don't know. Well, I was going to quote Master Ron Fitzgerald. Yeah. Yes. He's the only person that frequently combines the words dark and sticky in a sentence. And he he had one feature about him is he's got one eye that is completely white. Um, in our stories, that's the eye that can see into the the realm beyond. Yes, into the world of the dead. One eye sees the land of the living; the other, the realm of the dead. Betwixt and between, I've always seen the dream that burns in my head. <laughs> This, nice. This is a recurring theme in Ron's stories. Yeah, yeah. You know, where, where uh, basically uh, Kadrosha's will be a lot more, uh, you know, endings will be a lot happier, um, things like that. So, you know, just to let you know. Well, and also Kadrosha, to give you an idea of some of the stories uh, she has that I've written, um, she, um, she's my one character that... Uh, uh, Charles will let me break the rules with because she rewrites them. Right. And uh, that was how I saved one story. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I convinced him. Um, but in one of the stories in her first issue, uh, she is going to confront a nun who's been possessed by an angel. 
Nice. A fallen angel. Uh, yeah, okay. or fell out of the sky. Oh, boy. It hit her. Oh um, and then the other story is about a vampire oh, that right. is trying to surrender to her. Yes. Uh, what I've been doing is uh, I've been sending you photos of the different characters and things like that. The one with the dinosaur, that's uh, Dana, uh, or, or Danny. And, um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, she's I tough as well. nails. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I'll send you uh, the other one. Then the Kudrosha, um, you know, you see her, how her spirit guardian is protecting her going around. Uh, yeah. Another title, which is, is really fun, uh, two other titles that I'm developing. One is a roller derby drama, and in roller derby drama, all derby girls are superheroes. So I mean, that's kind of how it is in real life. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, like some of their crazy names, what I do is, is uh, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, like Athea in Hell. You know, it's, uh, you know, six 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 seven. You know, something like that. So basically, she's able to transform into this giant, hideous winged demon, but she has superpowers and and, and the powers of hell, uh, and she's able to you know use it for good. Um, Scream Printer is covered in tattoos, and as long as she screams, the tattoos become holographic, hard life living things, so they could you know battle or do whatever, and so on and so forth. You actually have uh, two different electric cutes with different uh, spellings of it. So one is hard science electric cute, where she has weird gadgeteer gadgets, and the other one is 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 magical, and so she can fire her stuff magically. While the other one is hard science using uh, hyper hyperloid static electricity, and it's and, and just imagine Derby girls, you know, with their normal angst and their you know crazy lives. In fact, there's one story where these two derby girls are beating the heck each other, you know, just beating the tar out of each other. And towards the end, uh, as they're yelling uh, expletives towards each other and how much they hate the other team, they realize, oh, they're all on the same team. So then they hug each other because now they're sisters and best friends. And as they walk away hand in hand, the city around them is turned to rubble. So, you know, Jasper Sparks has uh, been helping me to write that. And uh, Cynthia Martin uh, took lead art uh, with that one. And then uh, the, another title, which is really fun, um, that I'm developing is, is being drawn by a couple of artists right now, is uh, Thunderworld. And under Thunderworld, we have three giant robot titles and one giant monster title. Mm -hmm. uh, the first giant, yeah. Uh, the first giant robot is um, Uncle Destructo, built by the best of the best as the ultimate deterrent. Domo Erigato, Dr. Destructo. Domo, Domo, Domo. The second giant robot is the soul of a great king that's been infused to uh, armor, and when it's put onto a statue, it comes to life and locks in with a kid, kind of Johnny Sacco style, where the kid is able to go inside and give commands, like, come on, robot, do this! And the robot does it. Um, and, and then, you know, there's stories about how the king was trapped into, uh, this, this, you know, shell and how he's going to help save the world. The third story is kind of borderline creepy. It's borderline horror. Um, the world's first trillionaires. Uh, this woman is so brilliant. Uh, Sylvia Madrome. She's also Swedish. It means nightmare from the forest. Uh, came up with an algorithm that Accurately calculated lottery numbers with a 27.4% accuracy. That's crazy, huh? Oh, yeah. You know, by her uh, 18th birthday, she uh, acquired uh, nearly a billion dollars in winnings. Then she invested it into the gold and metals market, crashed the market, and ended up as a trillionaires. A lot of people hate her. But she's also a heavy believer in uh, things like coast-to-coast -coast and stuff like that and keeps trying to buy secrets and trying to learn things. And... You know, just, just is always one step away until she discovers a group of people having night terrors that have something in common that she's equated to something in the old Egyptian days. So after collecting these 13 people, she realizes their nightmares are instructions to build something, and she does it. Nearly spending her entire fortune, she builds Ragnarok Fire as the last line of defense for something that man's not meant to know. This one is primarily alchemy, and it takes the 13 people... Uh, to go into a state of uh, remote viewing to pilot the robot properly. So we've been learning things like getting into how the brain works, things like that. So one of the theorems is that our brains are actually a collection of 
multiple of individuals like like bees. And basically, they don't do anything until the entire thing comes to a consensus of yes or no. And, you know, even the subconscious movement, you know, I'm moving my hands around, things like that, uh, expressing what I'm saying. Uh, you're reacting, you're twirling your thumbs, you're doing whatever. But within it are different ganglias that are saying, let's do this, let's do that. Oh, let's get up to use the restroom. Another set of ganglia is like saying, no, let's stay and keep talking, keep listening. Let's not use the restroom now, hold it. And then... The ones that want to go will agree, okay, we'll wait until it's done. So it, 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 it's very heady. And then the last one is known as Zyugan, which is a force of nature. It's kind of our answer to Godzilla. Um, sometimes this thing gets in our, in our way, which is most of the time. Sometimes it helps us. Imagine another cat going to your cat's turf. Your cat's going to beat the heck out of it. Now, your cat might be a jerk scratching you every time you pet it, but... If another jerk cat comes in, it's going to beat it up. Well, imagine if you had, you know, the thing the size of, of skyscrapers. Um, Ragnarok Fire is 300 feet tall, which is huge. Uncle Destructo is 150 feet tall. Gamma the Great is only 100 feet tall. And then uh, Zyugan is about uh, 220 feet tall. That gives you an idea of the scale and things like that. And, and it's gigantic. Yeah. So, you know, and, and what's real interesting is Vincent Prost actually did some work on some of the designs for one of the characters. And, you know, he sent, he's like, hey, do you mind if I send it in to, uh, for a job offer I'm trying for? He got the job on a giant robot movie. I'm not allowed to say what it is, but we can all guess what it's a sequel to. Hint, hint, oh, wink, geez. wink. And uh, the rule was, you can't use this robot I did for my friend. So he ended up being a uh, concept artist for the uh, sequel that's uh, going to be worked on. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's all, all the you know, major uh, comic projects at the moment. Uh, um, another thing is, I am working with Brian. Uh, he's been, what's really cool with what Brian has been doing is he's been finding public domain characters and resurrecting them. One of them being oh, a Skyman. Nice. That's, that's a really cool thing to do because that, that's actually, you know, like a treasure trove. That's like a lot of things, like with the music industry, a lot of people are doing that now too because the copyrights end after like 25 years or something. Yeah, it's it's copyright's kind of complicated um, and no one understands it, so we all do what we want. Uh, <laughs> but uh, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> As long as you don't mess with Warner Brothers or Walt Disney, you're fine. Um, yeah, big honchos, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the big, big honcho, deep pockets. I don't show man. man. Honcho I want to be a honcho man. Honcho yes. Man. Oh my god. I want to be one of the one percent. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I've uh, gotten involved in writing comics uh, for a buddy of mine, Sean Delaney, who um, his comic company is called Buy More, B I M O R, Buy More Comics. Get it? Uh, <laughs> and um, I forgot my cigar, Monica. <laughs> I know where you left it. Ow! Anyway, um, uh, through him, I got to write uh, an old Jerry Siegel John Basema character from the fifties called Nature Boy, and in the sequel, yes, loosely based on the song. Um, and then the following issue, I resurrected this very obscure horror character called the Purple Claw, who has a gauntlet that's shaped like a claw, and get this, it's purple. These, these old guys, they really, they really had it going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, and we're gonna bring him back in his own full-length book. I'm also doing some stuff where I am doing an all-ages comic book uh, featuring a character called Spencer Spook that used to be published by Columbia Comics and then Ace Comics in the 80s. He came out about six months before Casper the Friendly Ghost, but Spencer's more like uh, the unfriendly ghost. He's got a bit of an attitude with him, but it's going to be... He's an a-hole ghost! Pretty much, but he, he goes up against people who are bigger ones. <laughs> so, uh, like in the first issue, we he decides he needs that a place to haunt. Yeah, <laughs> and it's written by an a hole. So go figure. I can. Uh, that's called research. Um, but uh, in the first issue, one of the stories uh, involves him going to his boss, who is the ghost of George Washington, 
and asking for a new place to haunt, so he sends him to the International Space Station. <laughs> and this is just prior to the alien invasion, so and this is all in ten pages. Plus, I'm right I am in the process of finishing up a book reviving the character Skyman, who was published by Columbia Comics and then Ace Comics in the eighties. He was created by three people. Um the first one was his editor, Vincent Sullivan, who edited the first appearances of Superman and Batman when he was at DC. He also created the original Ghost Rider from the 50s that Marvel based their original Western hero on. His first writer was Gardner Fox, who wrote um, these obscure things like The Flash, Hawkman, Green Lan- the Silver Age Green Lantern, Justice Society of America, Justice League of America, Doctor Strange, you know, things that nobody's heard of. And his artist was Ogden Whitney, who drew Two-Gun Kid for Marvel, a slew of romance and horror stories, and is probably most famous for a character named Herbie Popnecker <laughs> in the 60s, a real cult hero who was this rotund loser who was secretly, his parents couldn't understand him, but when he left the house, he was, like, great with women, he could communicate with animals, and his power came from eating lollipops. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a rather fun, fun series. Uh, Dark Horse has done some uh, reprints of him. But anyway, I'm also bringing back Skyman. Um he will be in a book called The Original Skyman Battles the Master of Steam. It's a prose novel. If you like The Rocketeer, if you like Indiana Jones, you're going to dig this book. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to its release. Um, could you mention some of your other titles, too? Why, yes, I could, Charles. Thank you very much. Here's a five. Yes. Yeah. That's what makes this world go round. Um, I am an independent. Makes the world go round. There's a little. That's right. There's. It's through my flatulence. It spins faster. (laughs) There's a little larceny in everything we do here at Freelance Words. A little arsony. Yes. Mm. So, uh, (laughs) um, one book I do is a short story called Conflict, where it's a story about a superheroine whose deadliest enemy gets to her through her heart. It's a special story because I've removed all the names from all the characters and boiled everyone down to archetypes, and it works. It's a it's a it's a nice little uh, little introduction to my bizarre style. <laughs> I also have um, a book that's only available online, and all my stuff is available through Amazon. But this is um, Bloodshot, the Coldest Warrior, and it's based on the Valiant Comics character, Bloodshot. Uh, That was my first book. Uh, Then I have Volcana, which is a... um, uh, The first book in a seven-book series uh, came out last year, and I'll be starting work on the second book, the Prometheus Cover-Up, later in October. But she, it's basically a blogger who discovers the armor of Vulcan's fallen champion. And she's pretty empowered, but Vulcan takes her the rest of the way, just in time for the end of the world. But she, things get better. Uh, and then probably my most popular title is one called Santa Stein. It, it's Santa Stein. Santa Stein. Yes, Doctor Frankenstein has a cure for his fiance's holiday blues. What could possibly go wrong? I spend 180 pages telling you. It's oh, <laughs> that's yeah. If you found that um, the Nightmare Before Christmas was a little too warm and fuzzy for you, and Bad Santa was just a little too sentimental for your taste, this is the book for you. So that's the that's the kind of nonsense I write, and I'm um, slowing down on the prose because I've been doing so much work for Charles. All this stuff is going to come out at once, and everybody's going to get sick of me within like three weeks because yes. I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> or people become so fanatic that they worship him. Right. And have stalkers. Yeah. Cool. I worship. I oh, worship. what is your website, Brian? Well, uh, I had a website until I screwed it up. Oh. So, but if you go to Facebook, I do have a freelance words page, and I have a Volcana page. I'm also on Instagram as Brian K. Morris. I'm also on Twitter, 
where I usually vent about my Facebook friends. Uh, and I'm Brian K. Nice. Morris there, so. Very, very nice. Plug yes. away. Try and stop me. Well, you guys are awesome. You are. Oh, thanks so much. You know? Yeah, we, 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 love, we love stories, though. That's the, that's the key. Here's another thing that's kind of fun about the talent that, that I've acquired with Silver Phoenix. Um, Vince Prost was a, a concept artist for Midway Games, NFL Blitz and, and some other famous games, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat, a whole bunch of things that you know, he, he worked on um, behind the scenes. Uh, there are some uh, big games. Jeff Moy, uh, Cynthia Martin, Phil Moy. Uh, yeah, Phil Moy also. Um, you know, I, I, I've even worked with uh, great writers like uh, Jody Lynn Nye. Um, you know, you. Uh, even you guys have been so much fun. You know, just yeah. just rich information. And again, what what you know, the thing that's been amazing with all of this is even though we've been primarily talking about comic books is how the video game world has helped to influence um, some of the comics, you know, because you got some really good storylines. Uh, one of my favorite games to play uh, on, on a console was, I'm not, I think it's called Shutter or something. Mm -hmm. it, it was a game where you had a camera, and if you did it right, you could capture the ghost and it can't attack you and harm you. But you had to work yeah, really I, fast. I you know, and it was just amazing. But going back even to the retro games, uh, you had Splatterhouse, which, oh, yeah. you know, I remember I was, uh, a bus came late to a transfer point. I was supposed to go to another bus, but it was too late, and I missed the bus, and I was stuck in this station. I actually had a roller quarters, no joke, and I spent most of it playing Splatterhouse, and I got pretty far in it, and I just thought it was one of the greatest games I'd ever played. Oh, my God, yeah, the first time I saw it when I was a kid, it, like, blew my mind to bits. It was just, like, incredible. It, like, changed everything. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God, I have to get this now. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of those first games that pushes the expectations of what you thought was possible yeah. because it was so gory and uncensored. Yes, and then the other game that was next to it that was just weird, I've never seen it since, Snapjack. Snapjack, huh? Yes. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, it was. it's like weird things. Like one friend told me that the Yellow Submarine appears in a scene, but I've never seen it, so I think that either he was making it up or who knows. But, uh, you know, Snapjack was a pretty weird uh, stand-up game. Really? Yeah, that's interesting, though, because I've never heard of that one. I've, I've heard of everything pretty much. It's craziness. It was a machine like a that only them. appeared this once, <laughs> trying to snare an innocent young Charles D. Moy's son. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely did. That, so, so I just, I just looked it up, and it has one of the most, the trippiest freaking back glasses of all time with all neon art. It's by Universal, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the whole the game looks a lot like Moon Patrol or something like that, but. With a lot of fish and craziness in the background, all neon. Yeah, really cool game. You know, and and like I said, I, I think my friend perceived something that seemed like the yellow submarine. And you know what was weird with this weird little machine? Um, you could extend the legs, raise it up, raise it down, so you could like raise it up so the fish goes between your legs. You know, because yeah. you're so tall. And it, it just, it just, it was just a really fun but weird game. Yeah, I'm checking out pictures. That's actually kind of brilliant how you have to dodge with the height. Yeah. Changing the height. Yeah, that's like pretty classic. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Game that either. Really cool. I no, really I never heard of it. a time where well, maybe like movies, you know, but other than that. I'll have to see if that's on my Xbox arcade that I have because I have everything on that. If it's not on there, that'd be interesting. Yeah, you got to hunt it down, Snapjack. <laughs> you know? Well, I will admit this. If I end up, you know, getting to the point where I'm very profitable, I do want to buy and get it fully refurbished to factory condition or, or the super condition. There are like a couple of uh, refurbishers will do that. I want to get both Elvira pinball games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be amazing. The, 
you know. Sunk a lot of quarters into that one. And didn't you love it when the monsters would do the boogie dance? Yeah, yeah. It was so stupid, but you felt so invalidated when, oh, let's do the boogie dance. That one, that game, there was a, when I was doing caricatures, I was actually trained by a former Disney artist, Wayne Seeley of Mystery Manor. Um, you can check it out, mysterymanor.org in Omaha, Nebraska, or it might be mysterymanoromaha.org, uh, you know, something like that. But I used to work at a haunted house for, for a while, and that place was actually haunted, too, and, and, and that was one of my earlier titles I did when I uh, got back into comics. What was kind of interesting was I was into comics, and then, you know, I had death in the family, this happened, that happened, I dropped out of it, I'm like, ah, oh, forget it, never again. And in the 80s, uh, 83, Three, no, 80, 85, 85. I worked for a um, haunted house, and it was pretty new. It was the third year, and I was just so crazy with my antics. We ended up on Good Morning America, of all things. So, you know, did, did my antics, things like that. And, yeah, it was fun. So, it, you know, after that boom, his business just ballooned. You know, then I lost contact with him. Normal life happened. Uh-oh. Are you playing Snapjack? I am playing Snapjack. That's awesome. It's a <laughs> it great game. See? We'll it's be hearing from you for the rest of the hour. Yeah, that's it. You're, you're <laughs> gone for the night. Yeah. Like right? Yeah. yeah. Like he plays the Popeye song. Isn't that just nuts? This is definitely a Charles Moisson game. Right. Let me know if you see the yellow submarine in there at any point. Um, I see a little, like, it looks like a magician's cot. I just hit it. Because as, as you're playing, the corridors, like, wind, and I just hit my head. Yeah, 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 you bashed yourself to death. <laughs> you know what's crazy is, like, right before I looked for Snapchat, I went to see if Enigma 2 was on my arcade, and it is. Wow. I got the world record on. Oh, Cool. Crazy. I think that's awesome. Boom, 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 and then you know the music keeps changing to like all these different things. Oh god, this game is crazy. <laughs> Isn't it fun? Oh yeah, it's super awesome though. <laughs> <laughs> See what I really like. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, is is all the different. Uh, uh, levels on this thing, you know, which which is just fun. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I just want to play. I just want to play a little bit just to see because, like, when I never heard of a game, it's like always entertaining, fired up for the first time. And yeah. as, that's the crazy thing is we never heard of it yet. I can play it immediately while we're talking. Right, you know. Nice. <laughs> and it's it's it's, it's, like, it's like a demented Pac-Man. You know, could you imagine if you were like, oh, there's a yellow submarine. Yeah. Oh, God, I stink at it. <laughs> so, you, you know. Yeah, uh, it's uh, super cool, though. Yeah, you know. I love getting sidetracked. I know, <laughs> I know. On the river. <laughs> oh, my God. You never know where it's going to go. Which is just some crazy stuff. Well, you know, if you want to learn more about the crazy stuff I'm doing, go to silverphoenix.net. He just recently updated it. Yes. I couldn't get .com. Yeah, that's the, that's the cla- crazy thing is that, like, you have this whole world created. Yeah. For, the, uh, for, for, for everything, and it's, like, amazing how intricate it all is. Well, thank you. It's awesome. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. What is your biggest inspiration? Like, where did the ideas come from for, for both of you? Is it just kind of random stuff, dreams, just an amalgamation of... Influence. Uh, to me, um, I, to be straightforward, it's uh, proof that God exists. You know, with the uh, there's no logical reason why these these things should echo in my skull. But uh, you know, the divine host has decided to whisper into me, and you know that's the way I look at it. Um, some people might not like that answer; they may find it offensive. But oh well. Good. You know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, exactly, but, you know, but it, it's, it's, uh, you know, what's amazing is, is as these stories develop, I feel like 
you know, somebody else is telling them to me, and then I'm just restating them. But it's, you know, that's maybe my... Yeah, like that's an interesting way to look at it, actually. Because the information's so, like, exact. And yeah. That's the crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. that's a bull in my mind. You know. It's down to the uh, the color of the freaking shirt that the, the person's wearing. Like and how much the guy weighs, how many pounds, or how high how high they are. Yeah, exactly. How they are. Yeah. So, Brian, what's your That's inspiration? That's what amazing. Uh, my inspiration, um, I'm while Charles is taking the secular route, I'm going to go scientific. Um, I have spent years training myself uh, to look for plots that I can pick up a newspaper or watch a TV show or listen to music on the radio and then ask myself, what if? What if this went differently? What if this event had this character interact with them? Or I have this character. What kind of uh, situation would challenge them? Um, like I said, Charles gives me ideas, and then I we just start bouncing ideas off of each other until a script is just pretty much fully formed. So that you know, I get my inspiration almost from everywhere because I look for stories wherever I go. I also listen to people. I was very close to my great grandfather who lived to be 91. He passed away in 1971. So here's a man who had seen the advent of manned flight, walking on the moon, indoor plumbing, television, radio, all these things that now we kind of take for granted as you know, just being a part of our natural lives. But he would tell me stories about his... You know his youth that you know I just sit and listen to, and it's just such a different perspective from what you'd okay. see on TV. That you know I I love listening to stories. I met a man one time who was at Pearl Harbor when the Japanese invaded. Yep, yep, those are awesome stories. Yeah, and you just keep your ears open, and you use these little. Little pieces of a cross, like a jigsaw puzzle, and uh, place them all together and glue the pieces the wrong way, and then you come up with a Bachelor's Grove story. Exactly. For, for me, part of the creative process, too, is in the old comic books, especially the superhero, they would just say something, and it works. And basically, whatever I say, it's like pretend world. It's like, you know, this piece of bread that I have actually can quiver at a frequency of Rx3, and because of that, when I eat it, I will have powers until I digest it. And so it works. You know, I mean, think of Super Chicken. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So he would tell me that, and then I would have come up with something like, well, you need to eat extra cheese with that as a binder so you don't pass it through completely, and then you get to keep your powers longer. Right. Right. You know, like like yeah, like one of the the jokes we were thinking of is uh, you know two ideas. Again, going with the Bachelor's Grove is remember the haunted car stories. There's some really weird ones actually. Um, like cops are chasing a car, and then all of a sudden it just goes through a fence and disappears through some trees. Like what the fuck? Well, or one of the stories I actually saw a video. Brian and I are doing is gone in 666 seconds. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, we were plotting this over dinner last night. And the main deal is, when you're driving by that special stretch of road at Bachelors Grove, what if somewhere in your speedometer, 666 appears? Well, we decided that for 666 seconds, or the equivalent of... 11 minutes and 6 seconds. Right. Your car is possessed. Until your speedometer reaches 667. And during that 11 minutes and 6 seconds, because you're stuck at that constant speed of 30 miles an hour, um, what will ensue? So imagine if you were in a possessed car for 11 minutes and 6 seconds. I used to have dreams like that where like the brake doesn't work. And then now you just have to, like, survive. It's pretty horrifying, yeah. Yeah. Another thing we're doing, which is more kind of like a parody of the Ghostbusters, are the horror handymen. 
Yes. Horror handy. <laughs> yes. They, uh, you came up with the idea of the magic toolbox. The magic toolbox, yes. You tell them about that and the tools. Well, the tools, of course, to, you know, have magical aspects like we have a plunger and we have a pipe wrench and a saw, but the saw has like a handle so you are forced to wield it like a sword. And a giant big-ass hammer. You know, we just had this whole toolbox of practical things that are used like mostly in construction, but they are imbued with mystical properties. For doing strange things. And what is the main rule that they have to adhere to? What is that rule, Charles? That they cannot figure out why it works, otherwise the magic stops. <laughs> it's, it's like telling a bumblebee why it isn't aerodynamic, but it can still stay in the air. <laughs> the minute you tell it, it stops. Right. It plummets to the ground. But, um, you know, like, like one of the weird stories is, uh, you know, the horror handyman decided to, um, because I saw the Ghostbuster, I, I, I went to a clown funeral. There were literally hundreds of clowns showing their respect at Showman's Rest. Wow, that's amazing. On an anniversary. <laughs> yeah, on an anniversary. I mean, imagine you're at a graveyard and you literally see hundreds of clowns just come out everywhere, just forming this this group in a line and they do a memorial to the showman's rest, you know, the, the brave men and women who lost their lives in the great carnival train wreck of, I think it was 1918 in, so, in Hammond, Indiana. Something like that, yeah. Carney Clown Cult, yeah. Yeah. So. You know, so 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 you know, all these clowns are talking and telling stories, and then the Ghostbusters are there. So what if it wasn't the Ghostbusters? Let's say it was the horror handyman, and then one of the clown ghosts go talking to them, saying, "Oh yes, um, can you help get you know Egbert back from Bachelor's Grove?" So they got to go to Bachelor's Grove and battle all this horrible stuff, and and but but you know they're just dealing with their tools and things are funny. Uh, also. It's a multicultural thing. The, the leader is a gay black man. Um, you got this one woman is so hot, she always gets fired from her jobs because everyone gets jealous of her good looks. You got the... Uh, I know his, the feeling. Yeah, you got the Hispanic gentleman who <laughs> never wants to learn English and always writes everything down uh, in English because he refuses to speak it because he hates the way English tastes in his mouth. And then you got um, uh, 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 Crunk. And he's just kind of like a borderline uh, idiot savant type guy who just, you know, barely speaks but gets the work done, and, and he's a, he's a put-it-there guy. <laughs> and so the, the the group together is just, you know, imagine the Three Stooges mixed with the Ghostbusters. As I'm sure we all do. Yeah, and, and that's the horror handyman. And a girl is very proud to be a handyman. <laughs> Whenever she fights, her clothing always gets ripped off, you know, ripped on her, and, and, and it tears, and it her in the tree, so that... All that's left is like the equivalent of a bikini with the way the outfit is, even though it's full handyman clothing. Yeah, it's the funny thing about like chicks in comic books, they're always like super busty and like scantily clad. Yeah. <laughs> Never fails. <laughs> that's the way you gotta do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another uh, that I hope to do too, which Bachelor's Grove, is I'm reaching out to uh, a gentleman by the name of Batten Lash. Yes. And he does this great comic called Wolf and Bird, um, Lawyers of the Unknown. So they basically are these two attorneys that work for monsters to sue people. <laughs> right and left, you know, like, like, oh, you've been threatening my client with stakes, and that's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so we're figuring out a story where we do a crossover where Wolf and Bird come to represent the cemetery <laughs> for some reason. Now, what monsters would you like to see in Bachelor's Grove? What type of story would you like to see? Well, the, like Alga. the original one is based off, like, the farmer. Now, the horse, like, dragged the farmer into the pond, right? Right. He died and that. So it'd be cool to have, like, some kind of demented farmer in there. Hmm. You know, with the horse. The horse, you could always, like, a, you could be, like, a half-skeleton horse kind of thing. We actually do have a demented farmer in Run, Hide, mm -hmm. Die. Connections, yes. There you go. Six degrees. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I want to see more connections between all the different books, so you got to definitely jump through that. You know, the other thing I'll say is anybody out there who just wants to pledge money, write checks, hit with uh, donations, please do, because, uh, you know, 
A couple things I'm doing, like I said, is I'm going to do the fundraiser for History of the Police in America. I'm going to do a fundraiser. GoFundMe. Yep, through GoFundMe. We're going to do a Kickstarter for Haunted Tales of Bachelors Grove. Also, we plan to do a Kickstarter down the line for Thunderworld. And uh, raise more for Zombie Annihilation. And maybe one day I'll get my Western done. Yes. Ooh, cool. Westerns are A real Western. Yeah, we're going to do a Western with a horror... Uh, theme to it. Charles told me initially when I said I want to do a Western, because not many people are doing them not right now. And I've actually yeah. done a Western before. Yes, he has. It's a good one. Yeah, he told me, he said, well, I want to see a proposal. I said, well, let me give you two words for my second issue. Uh, clockwork Vampires. He said, get busy on the script. Just don't worry about a proposal. Yeah. Just get busy. Yeah. <laughs> what have you two enjoyed about this so far? If anything. I saw the, the creativity, and it's kind of like how Jeff and I are the same way, where we like we go off each other and we sharpen the spear, so to speak. I think that's really the key is having like someone to like bounce stuff off of, because if it's just you, um, not not only is it you know no one to tell you kind of you know how they feel, but also they can add to it like like you guys do, like with the cheese that makes it stay in your body longer. Like, it's just hilarious. Um, <laughs> you know, it's awesome. So it's cool that you guys have kind of what, what we have, which is pretty special, too. And I like how you guys feed off each other, but you're, like, listening and taking that feedback and making it a more complex and better project. That's the really yes. the cool aspect. And not enough people that are doing content listen to people like it makes you a better person makes the product better tailors it to what people want and makes it more creative and you guys are doing that which is outstanding thank you there's another side note again if anything works out with the uh, kickstarter there's this one uh, amazing female uh, songwriter her name is holly brewer of humanwine.org and she has this weird ethereal borderline steampunk slash Native American slash Arabic style to her music. Which in multiple languages. Yeah. And it's and she's broken it up, uh, her latest albums, into four sections, Earth, Air, Fire, and Water. And all the songs reflect it. I'm reaching out to her to possibly write some songs for um, uh, Whispers from the Void. And to give the feel for the comic. And and one of my goals is to get four different songwriters or musicians you know you know or composers to write you know pieces for the for the different characters within the books to add a little more dimensionality to it you know so you know you got this type of heavy drums okay that means Ruth you got this soft uh, billowy music oh that that that's uh, uh, Blythe the ghost you know you got so you know, could you take that and make it an old school radio broadcast then potentially yeah I mean, because you have plenty of people within the community that would love to, you know, like act out those parts, and you know enough people, you probably get professional voice actors to, you know, do these parts, and then you have the music to back it up. Well, if 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 you want to do something fun, uh, look, if the campaign is over, but look for Whispers from the Void on Kickstarter, and play the video. I actually had gotten the voice actress for Lufthansa. To do the narrative, and I spoke it from the point of view of Idonia, who, you know, uh, this is her mad plan. This is what she wants to do. This is how she wants to organize the monsters. And when you listen to it, especially the ending when she starts to almost froth with her vision, uh, you know, you know that the mad, the cackling mad scientist almost comes out. Um, it leaves you a little chilled. Especially, A, with a legitimate German accent, and B, legitimate German pronunciation. So, for example, gluttony, for us, is gluttony. You know, and, 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 and her name, uh, 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 Fleschganger, is a Fleschinginger. You know, little things like that, I feel, add so much more dimension to, to what we do. Absolutely. It gives it a more legitimacy to it. It's more natural. You know what would be amazing, though, uh, is perhaps as a, kick, as a Kickstarter stretch goal, we turn the first issue into a radio place. We just write a little extra stuff 
for arcing in between the panels. You know, if you know, like the descriptive sure. parts, like you're like as uh, Jack walked into the room, he noticed that things were a little dank and not proper. Hey, dollface, will you go upstairs and I'll go downstairs? Yes, dear, I'll go downstairs. All right, hey, you tell I'm me sure what you see. You do every part. Uh, no, no, that'd be boring. Yeah. Yeah, but it'd be fun. I'd pay to watch it. Yeah. Thank God. Hey, give me my pants back, Brian. You, you've never needed them before. No need now. That's right, my God. I don't care what the judge says. To the abyss with you. Well, this. The Swamp. Yes, I do have to admit, this has been uh, completely amazing. You know, uh, um, the, the final thing I will add is both Brian and I are going to also launch uh, Patreon pages. And, you know, one of my small goals with the Patreon page is to pull away from, quote, working for everybody else to the point to where I don't have time to properly do my own work. You know, that's part of why I farm out so much, because my time is eaten up by... Uh, too many people. Yeah. But, you know... That's if, exactly how it is. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. You know, but let's say from the Patreon page we can get to a decent amount where, you know, I can make a full living and I don't have to worry about, oh, God, I, I got to, you know, make X amount of grand to, to pay for the car, to pay for the house, to pay for this, to pay for that. Oh, my God. Which is what you do in normal life anyway. But... The difference with Brian and I is not only do we have our normal life, we create content. We create opinion-forming media and you, art. You, you do know that um, you can utilize Patreon per series that you're doing for comics, too, or per book series. Because that's kind of how I did my 90s Culture Chronicles. Mm. Look at there. And basically, I only collect money from the backers when I print a new book. Right. So it's it's essentially it is a subscription. So you could do comic book subscription yeah. to your series on Patreon, and you could do one per whatever. So yeah. if I want to go get you know Zombie Annihilation, go to your Patreon, boom, and every time a new issue comes out, you charge, and everybody who's backing you gets a copy, and then you have enough to print extras. Oh, that like that'd like, be great. That's, that's what I'm. Yeah, yeah. That's I was working on my page tonight, and that's uh, one of the things I'm going to be working on. <laughs> giving out copies of my work and variant issues. And my ultimate goal, I, I do a lot of mentoring with writers, uh, yeah. not just bringing up people who could work for Silver Phoenix. I've been working with a couple of friends of mine, um, novelist Kenny Sills, who wrote a delightful book for the whole family called Tattoo, A Beautiful Sin, about a serial killer who kidnaps women and cuts their tattoos off. Um, don't wait for the Saturday morning cartoon on this one. Um, and also a buddy, uh, Todd Black, shout out to my friend, who um, I think he uses primarily Kickstarter, but he uses it as a, a subscription service for his series as well. And that's kind of what I'm looking to do with mine, since I do both books and comics. Uh, various levels, you know, if you want a certain level, you get comics, you want a little higher level, you get the books, but something I want to do ultimately with mine is continuing like like we are doing with the history of the police. I, like I said, I mentor a lot of writers, um, and I can't teach anyone how to get on the New York Times bestseller list because I've never been there. I can't yeah. teach anyone to sell like Stephen King or uh, J.K. Rowling because I've never done it. But I can teach you how to do what I do at my level because you've got to begin somewhere. Yeah. And you know, as, you know nobody starts out being the next John Grisham. Um, yeah. yeah, most of that's just knowing the right connections anyway. Yeah, and it's... There's like a hundred other people just as good or better who just never know about them. <laughs> Exactly, and yeah. I'm 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 almost evangelical about self-publishing, about the independent publishing movement right now with the technology involved and yep. how democratic the process is. So I would like to eventually uh, 
use my Patreon page for educational purposes to teach people how to write. Because I, yeah. I tell people I can teach you how to write a novel. You, you just basically have do it. You just have to do it. You have to figure out how to start it. I can help you with that. You have to figure out um, how to allot the time. Because a lot of what I do, as since I'm a full-time writer, is time management. You know, because you have to figure out, you know, I've got to do the... Yeah, you got to do the... Indiv- you know, i got to take care of the house. I've got to cook dinner when the wife comes back from her J-O-B. I've got to talk to Charles every day. Which, of course, is a delight. Which I would say, even if you weren't sitting next it's to me... Delight. Yeah, well... It's a delight! If you weren't wearing his pants right now, you would still say the same thing. That's true, I would. And if I were wearing my own pants, even. But I'm anyway. wearing his pants as a hat. I feel like a blue meanie. <laughs> Boy, your ears are long. <laughs> if I'd known that, I'd have washed them first. Oh, wait, is it brown in the front, yellow in the back? Yeah. <laughs> this is what our editorial conferences degenerate into eventually. So the one thing I've noticed between Patreon, though, and um, Kickstarter for my own purposes mm-hmm. is basically, depending on the product that you're doing... Um, like my culture chronicles, I feel would do better on Kickstarter because of the the content. So when you were saying the horror movie aspect, that would be something that would kill on Kickstarter, but wouldn't necessarily get as much ground on a Patreon. Whereas yeah. an educational thing, which is more personal, that would more so go over better on a Patreon. Um, and that's what I've noticed because. I mean, I've I made, I think it was like 200 times more on my Super Nintendo book than I did on my Culture Chronicle. Yeah. Nice. Like, it was nice. ridiculously more. That's amazing. I, that is cool. I mean, it's, I, it's the same people I know on both. You know, I'm going the same routes for publishing. It's just the amount of traffic you get on a Kickstarter destroys GoFundMe, Indiegogo, and Patreon combined. Yeah. Yeah, and also it's a good tool, like, if you're doing something like my Western comic to gauge whether there is really an audience before you commit. Yeah. Well, exactly. Like, and, and a Patreon and things like that also, you can make it more uh, integral, and it's a little more, um, it's like going to a small school compared to going to a giant school. Right. A little more one-on-one time with your, your contributors. You can make it more personal. Well, I, I know an artist, a uh, professional comics artist, who uh, has basically switched his allegiance from Facebook to Patreon because he figures the people that really, really, really support his work are there. Yeah. Rather and, than and, Facebook, and which is, you know, you could get people who just want to get on, oh, I, I get to interact with the famous artist, ooh, I'm friend-whoring, yeah. he's my friend, you know. Like the, the Patreon aspect, too, is really good if you have a giant following. So, you know, those YouTube personalities that have 100,000 subscribers, they yeah. go to a Patreon for support, and they kill it because they have... Because a fraction is going to go on and follow you. Yeah. Whatever you do. And so a fraction of mine that go over to my, my Patreon is much smaller than who would follow me on Facebook or Kickstarter or something like that. Now, with the exception being this radio show, as as it builds up fans, you know, uh, here's a good example. Um, A buddy of mine, uh, Phil Folio, does Girl Genius. And this is advice he gave me. I didn't listen to it, you know, because I wanted to do my own panel strip and things like that. And I allowed normal life to get in the way. And part of the reason why I wanted to do the Patreon is I want to resurrect that panel strip idea and and, uh, basically do it. In this world, the world is basically like ours, except a space alien made it to our world, and unlike Al for the other shows where the alien is hidden in the house, this guy basically turned himself into a rock star by landing in the middle of the World Series and uh, said, hey, I'm here, but he defriended some people secretly on Earth beforehand, so that's who he interacts with and goes through and, and, and is, is kind of a, his agents. So here you have hyper-technology, but the normal world. So you got hover cars, you got other crazy stuff, and it's more of a uh, a, a sci-fi um, hyperdrama, you know, with with space alien Rex, uh, Sylvia Soap, and the rest of the uh, crazy gang uh, of of that world. And you know, if, if if I was able to get enough from Patreon, I'd be able to actually draw my own book or, or series, which I would enjoy. 
while I have, you know, hire a bunch of other artists to, like, do all this other work and, you know, build a mini empire for myself. The uh, Doc Zarvin empire. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> Classics. Yes, which well, is I, great. I think, Kyle, we probably have enough for two episodes or more now. <laughs> yeah, it's like three days later. Yeah. Wait till we take our second <laughs> breath. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Well, I have to say that uh, this was incredible. I do greatly appreciate the privilege uh, of being allowed onto your show and share. Definitely. Uh, I'm available for commissions. Brian is available for uh, short story commissions if you ever want him to write anything or edit your work or correct it. Uh, his, webs- well, his Facebook, um, Brian K. Morris. Um, or the other... Freelance Words or Volcana. Yeah, Volcana, so reach out to him. So, you know, if you're an up-and-coming artist, writer, um, you know, it's a good litmus test. Uh, For myself, uh, you can find my information through silverphoenix.net. It's a lot of fun, uh, and, you know, I like to work with uh, unknowns, or I've been known as the guy who's... You know, picked up the pieces of artists beat up in the industry and let them have fun and have a good time. But, uh, yeah, please take the time. Go to silverphoenix.net. Um, also, please support these two gentlemen. They got a lot of projects going on. And if it wasn't for you, the fans, the people who love us, even the people who despise us. Both of them. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, my enemies are sick or dead. Which is true. But, you know, <laughs> you know... The, the thing that is just really fun about this is the joy that, that we feel in creating the work and more importantly, the joy we feel that knowing somewhere out there, our books may change your life. Oh, that's the last thing is, is the health and wellness series um, that I'm developing uh, as well. But, you know, I've took up a lot of your time, so, so I'll drift away. Okay.